So my name is Sarah Cousins and I am one of the hospital palliative care consultants. Um, We are here today with uh, Donna Greer, clinical nurse specialist, and Anya Feeney, clinical nurse specialist, um, really working in the hospital between Daisy Hill and between Craigavon. Today, we are discussing the topic of what is a good death. This is a really, really difficult topic. This is hard emotionally. Uh, It's very challenging, very emotive. And while we want to discuss it as sensitively as possible, if this brings up feelings for any listeners or any strong emotions, um, we would be very pleased to talk to people about this and, and feel free to contact in. So what is a good death? And specifically, I suppose, uh, what it looks like uh, in hospital, which is where we work. Um, Donna, I wonder, I wonder if you can think about death and some of the deaths that you've seen uh, in hospital and the families that you're dealing with. What are the sort of themes that you would have identified in your work over how many years, dare I ask? Over, over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I still find it um, surprising to see so many patients and their families who present into hospital um, who are still going through chemotherapy, who are still um, hoping that they will recover. They are hoping that they will live longer. And I, I know death is expected in everyone, but it still shocks me to um, see so many patients and their families um, being very, very shocked by the thought of the palliative care nurse coming along, talking about symptom management at the end of life and then being extremely traumatised and um, shocked by the introduction of what we're trying to achieve. It's really hard, isn't it? Uh, people yeah. don't like to see us coming. No, no. Um, palliative is an awful word and it's a scary word. And we're around the hospital seeing patients and you often hear you, you don't want to see uh, the palliative care nurse coming to you. But, um, do you know, once you've introduced yourself, explain who you are, what you're trying to do, generally the with good communication, with yourself and the family, the carers and the patient, generally you, you do develop a very good bond. And I always think if you're honest and um, experienced in what you're doing and you can speak on behalf of the patient and be compassionate and be committed to carry out their wishes, you're, you're doing a good job. Yeah, we've we've tried different words, haven't we? We've tried palliative, or sometimes people introduce themselves as the Macmillan nurse. What, what do you find work on? Yeah, do you do you have a, a magical phrase that calms people yeah. before they get to know us that calms people? Yes, I think that people do be very afraid of the word palliative care, um, and I think it's a matter of them of of us explaining to them what what we do and it's not always just about death and dying but it's also about um, helping them to come to terms with how they are physically and emotionally um so i think yes people do be afraid of that term and maybe um it's something that needs worked on within our communities 
that um that there's more information out there for people that it nearly become so that it would become more of a common term that could be used without fear i think people think that we're going to um say something that's going to hurt them or their family members and it's never like that you know we're always guided by what uh, the patient and family want to talk about at the pace they want to talk about it so if they want to talk about pain that's what we're talking about but if they want to talk about their dog I think on you had someone recently just wanted to talk about you know I can't remember the dog's name but, but that's what we'll that's where we'll go it's it's not um dictated by by us in any way no exactly it's very very patient-led if the patients don't want to talk about certain subjects we'll not push that we're there to support them all uh, in whatever issues they have yeah and i think i suppose in hospital it's particularly difficult um i think in hospital you know it's usually someone's come in through a and e there's a there's a problem you know there's a there's a crisis there's there's nobody's uh, wanting to be in the emergency department and sometimes um, things change and things change quite quickly um, and you can have the best laid plans but we know that things change quickly. I suppose thinking specifically about a, a good death there's there was one definition I came across um, uh, that I quite like so if I can just read it out it describes a good death as the best death that can be achieved in the context of basically what's going on for the patient, the clinical diagnosis and the symptoms and who the patient is. So that would bring in more of the social, the cultural, the spiritual, the patient wishes. And it's really that it's there's not some idea of, um, of a perfect way that things can go whenever things are bad, but it's, it's very freeing. It's, it's trying to make things as, as good as possible. And sometimes I think death can feel a bit like a, a, a failure, especially whenever it's in hospital um, and, and maybe somebody wished that it was at home or somebody wished something different. But um, it's all it's it's not it's sometimes the best that can be done is to stay in hospital and to receive care here. Would you agree, Donna? Yeah, um, you always ask patients and their families um, where, where they would like to um, be in their last days or weeks of life. <clears throat> Generally, the majority of people would say, I would love to be a male at home. But sometimes the condition deteriorates and they maybe need um, supplementary oxygen that they maybe couldn't receive at home um, due to circumstances out of everybody's control by people smoking or just the high concentrations of it. And I would always say, um, the place of death where you place that you want to uh, pass away and doesn't always have to be home. Home is where your family are and your family around you. So we can accommodate it in a hospital, but it just may not be where they would want to be. But generally we're finding more and more patients are passing away within the hospital setting um, just because we can't get uh, packages of care and increased equipment needs into houses that maybe can't accommodate a lot of the equipment that they need. So unfortunately, it does happen, but we try our best to make it as comfortable um, with as many family members around them as we possibly can. Yeah, I think I think that's right. We um, there was a, a lady 
recently up on one of the wards uh, who really wanted home. And she she really did. And uh, she was a lady who'd been used to doing for herself, uh, getting having things her own way and it um and what she wanted was to be in her own home but the situation didn't allow it you know and I think she and her family all realized that um so you know she was waiting for a hospice bed again that was her wish that was her second wish but again that didn't work out for for reasons that are out of our control um because it's it can be hard and there can be a very long waiting list for hospice beds so this lady um did change and um and became a lot sicker and it was clear that she was moving into her last hours days um, and her family were there and I, I, I have to say, I just want to share about this, the scone and the cup of coffee that the ward sister brought from the canteen. Um, and this scone and coffee, I don't know how much it costs, but it's gold to her and the family. So this, this was more than just a scone and a cup of coffee. This was the care. This was the fact that the ward staff knew that lady so well after her two, three week inpatient stay and they felt that well the sister felt oh we've just become part of the furniture um and this kindness that it was represented in the scone and the cup of coffee so i think that while even the first choice or the second choice can't be made um actually there can be a lot of compassion kindness dignity um in in the acute setting, in even a busy surgical ward as it was, that people still take the time to make the family member feel uh, cared for. And, you know, that this will be talked about. This will be talked about whenever that story of that person's death is shared for years to come. And just what that means to that family can't be underestimated. And I'm sure I'm sure um, you ladies have stories very similar to that as well. Sarah, do you, um, we had a lovely patient here who, who died recently in hospital, um, who was actually a member of staff, um, and his care needs were just too great to be at home, and his wife was so grateful for all of the care that he got because people knew this gentleman, and different members of staff from all different departments came to the ward to see him, and his wife was so overwhelmed that people knew that he was in hospital and was dying, and she just felt that he was then in a place where he in, in his own community because he worked here and she was so relieved that everybody um who knew this gentleman um were coming to see him and um looking out for her and his fat you know his children and um yeah, i think i remember that i think she sobbed yeah, yeah. She yeah. sobbed with you, just the relief, because yeah. home was too hard for her and yeah. her family. And, yeah. and, and it was hard for her to admit that, actually, because I think that felt like a failure for her in some way. But um, she just sobbed with the relief and the... Um, yeah, there's just a great sense of community there that yeah. he was here where um, he was and he was so cherished in his last days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Um, and it's hard. It's hard whenever, you know, maybe someone is known to the hospital and is someone whom perhaps we've worked with before. 
everyone thinks of a good death and sometimes we think just about the control of symptoms oh you know just no pain or just no no nausea or vomiting or whatever it is but it's so much more than that and yeah. that opportunity to prepare to prepare yourself for your own moment um but to prepare those around you um and but without good clear can be honest but gentle compassionate communication it's really hard to have that time to prepare you know w without guiding somebody to, to understanding where they are how can they have a chance to take the time to do the memory boxes or speak to the solicitor about the will or say those things which people want to say and people want to say very basic things you know i'm sorry forgive me i forgive you I love you. Goodbye. You know, these very basic things that people need an opportunity to 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 say. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think another aspect of 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 uh, the what is a good death is really that sense of closure or a life completed. And that that is something that we can help guide towards. But it's really not a nursing or a medical thing. You know, it's it's something deeper. And it's, I suppose, something all of us would like to. Um, to accomplish. Um, I, I, I knew a patient who was dying in hospital once who told the team that she felt she hadn't lived the life she was meant to live. And she had a real sense of loss and a real sense of, 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 of being cheated out of life. Um, and I suppose that's, that for me is one of the big things about thinking about um, what is a good death. It leads you on to living a good life, you know, and it leads you on to living for, for the now, and 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 for the present i think um i think as a team we all have seen a lot of um our patients who are approaching the end of life and maybe haven't dealt with things in their own life um before they even got a cancer diagnosis and whenever they're coming towards the end of life get very very agitated sometimes they can get very unsettled very um angry sometimes and whenever you tease out um what actually is going on they've maybe not dealt with things very well in their earlier life um maybe there's um some sort of a broken relationship or areas of uh, a family life that need uh, reconciliation and that all comes out coming towards end of life um you find out an awful lot of things that have happened in a patient's earlier life and um we as nurses um help talk things through with um, our patients um, to ensure that whenever they're at peace of mind, you can ensure that there's a, a better death. Yeah, it always surprises me. They, they they look at what's important to people in different parts of the world. And yeah. um, depending on where you are, it is a bit different. So a recent study in America put um, peace with God as number two after symptom control. Um, and other places mightn't, you know, but um, um, trying to involve the chaplaincy team can really alleviate a lot of patients' anxiety. Uh, I, I find um, which I, we always jump to, you know, but maybe we should jump faster. I think um, we um, work very, very clo closely with the chaplaincy service within the hospital. And um, I find that no matter when you ask them to see patients, the, just recently, last week, I had a wee lady, a wee young lady, and um, all she wanted to do was um, uh, go to confession. So I went to the priest who was in the hospital seeing a sick lady of mine um, approaching the end of life. 
and he went to her. And that woman went out of the hospital a different lady because she was able to confess whatever it was was worrying her. And all she wanted to do was to see a priest. Now, previously, this woman had been discharged, readmitted, discharged, readmitted. It happened on four occasions within two weeks. Now she's been at home for a full week. She sorted out whatever was on her through meeting a priest to do confession. So I find we have a very good relationship with our our chaplaincy service here within the hospital. And that's the thing with with, with cultures or with um, people from other parts of the world living in our, our area. It, you know, it's no harm in not knowing, but the harm is in not asking, not being yeah, inquisitive. That's right. That's right. You know, nobody minds if you ask a question about their culture or about their beliefs. You know, it's it's the ignoring them that's the that's often the issue. I always say dying isn't very easy. Um, you know what's going to happen, and there's a lot of beauty in it. But um, the fact that we die isn't um, what makes life. The fact of people dying it makes life precious. You know, you have a lot of memories, and unless you make the last and final days happy days, and make you know those people can be laid in comfort and have a good death for allow the family to go on and um, live in life after somebody's passed away. So there's a lot of memories to be made, and you're hoping that you're putting people um, at ease with themselves whenever you're making them. You know, very much so. Thank, thank you. Um, Anya, have you any final thoughts? Um, I suppose the just on, continuing on from Donna, um, I think us as palliative care nurses, because um, our role is very specialised, we have that bit of time to speak to our patients and facilitate and organise um, their wishes at end of life within the hospital. You know, we can we act as their advocates and try and address any issues at all that they're um, facing, whether it be a, a reconciliation with a family member, we can act as the go-between and facilitate um, meetings with them, whether it's a pet that they want to bring into hospital or that we can bring them out to the front door to see it, or whether it's simply just some prayers with a priest or a minister. But um, we certainly, as the palliative care team, try and look at all issues that our patients are facing and try and facilitate the best death for them in the hospital setting. So nobody should be scared when they see us at the end of their beds. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. All right. Um, I will we'll just close there. Thank you so much. Those, you know, it's just a few of the stories that... Um, sort of we're, we're meeting in the hospital day and daily. Uh, thank you to our panel. Thank you to Donna and Anya. Thank you for listening. And as I say, if there's anyone interested in knowing more, wanting to get in contact with us, please do so. Um, uh, we're, we're always happy to talk. Thank you.